And welcome back, everyone, to Double Down with Breslow. We'll recover everything going on in the industry of sports betting, blowing up in America. Hasn't even gotten to California, Texas, and Florida yet, uh, but probably, arguably, the fastest-growing industry in the U.S. And here to talk all about it and give us an insight into what's coming that a lot of people aren't even aware of yet is Tanner Kern. He's an analyst for DraftKings, also uh, works with Forbes and does a lot of his own uh, online podcasting and covering the sports betting industry. Uh, Tanner, welcome to the program. Yeah, James, thanks for having me. You know, when Cali, uh, Texas, and Florida flip, the industry is going to get even bigger, but totally agree with that fastest growing industry. Yeah, well, I know you're watching everything closely. Um, have you been watching those three states in particular and already have kind of a opinion as to which one is likely to come next? Um, I would think it'd be Florida, considering they already kind of flipped and then had to take a little bit of a backseat to get all the, uh, you know, the agreements going with the tribes and all that there. So I think Texas would probably be last. I think Florida, California, Texas, if I had to pick. But once they flip, I mean, it's going to be massive. Yeah, yeah. Texas is very uh, conservative when it comes to gaming. In fact, it, can uh, FanDuel and DraftKings even do fantasy in Texas? I don't believe so. I actually should know this because I live down in Texas and I would always have to go to Louisiana to place a bet. So um yeah i don't I, i'm sure there's some sort of dfs stuff down there but i don't exactly know what platforms there are yeah they're a long time holdout they they even their uh tribal uh ending um casinos weren't able to have you know full-fledged gaming they're one of the last states to allow that there was just a big supreme court ruling that allowed tribal locations to have bingo so and that's all they're allowed so it's the first time they've even been allowed to officially have bingo in texas california you know it, they uh we had two things on the ballot this past year both went down because half of the tribes were supporting one the other half of the tribes were supporting the other and they just killed each other with hundreds of millions of dollars spent on the thing and and both of them went down it was just very confusing for people and people just voted end up voting no on both of them yeah i mean it gets tough when you're working with tribes and then also on top of that like you know legislators tried to put other stuff into these sports betting bills which is another reason they don't get through both sides might support sports betting but one side wants something else included in the bill and then that just derails everything so you know, it's picking up, I believe, 33 states now have legal sports betting. So wow. um, we're getting there. It's it's flipped quick. Uh, but once those three big states flipped, we're going to see a lot more money going in the industry. Yeah. Well, let's talk a little bit about your background. You you started uh, as a Division One football player. Uh, tell us about your football career. Yeah. So um, short-lived football career, I guess. I was a Division One athlete, played at Lafayette College. Um, but after my freshman year, I had too many concussions. So unfortunately, career came to an end. I was still on the team for a few more years, ultimately lost my scholarship, though ended up transferring and finishing at UConn. But yeah, I love football. It kind of taught me hard work and taught me everything about sports. I mean, I love sports because I played football. Um, and I actually started as a freshman in college. So I got the best of both worlds. I got some pictures from my days playing. And uh, I also, um, you know, learned, learned lessons without, learned, learned, my, learned my lessons without, um, you know, causing too much damage to my body. Who is Lafayette's big uh, rival? Lehigh. So that was our that was our biggest game, you know, played in front of 20, 30,000 people. So it was one one double A football. Um, we played like Holy Cross. We played like Army, Navy for our, our bigger games. But Holy Cross, Lehigh, Bucknell, all those kind of schools in uh central pennsylvania new jersey area yeah well i played high school football and definitely had two or three concussions i lost my memory for about three hours both times it was just a weird thing did the same thing happen to you when you got concussions did you lose memory yeah definitely it's a different era now like you know you see concussion protocol even the nfl when guys go down there's doctors like analyzing the hit on the sidelines back in the day it was just like a stinger and i'm not that old i'm, I'm only 25 years old but 
you know, even when I was in high school, like concussions weren't that serious of a thing like they are now. Oh, yeah, it was totally different. I love to talk about it. You know, I'm much older than you. And uh, when I was playing high school football, there would be one water break during football practice. And that was you go to the hose and there'd be a long line and there's a coach there making sure that you didn't drink too much. So it's like next, 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 next. Now I'm sure the kids have shade and, you know, tons of Gatorade sitting out there and so on. And for us to toughen us up, they, they made sure we didn't drink too much water. Yeah. Don't drink too much water. That's what they used to say. You're going to cramp up. Now it's like drink as much as you can. I remember in college, you know, we'd have a two a day or we'd have a longer session and like halfway through, we'd automatically stop, take our stuff off and like drink. They'd make us drink like Powerade and get fluids in just because of how hot it was and all that. So it's getting it's getting a little softer and softer. I think it's good. But, you know, there's definitely some things that I do miss from like the hard days. So what do you take away from being a player when you analyze games? We had Joe Hatton on who was a hockey player and, and felt like he had a lot of unique insight from having been on teams. I have my own recollection from from high school football when whenever we lose a game, the coaches would be all over us, you know, in practice for the next game. So that's something I kind of look at in sports betting as like, OK, who's kind of kind of coming off a tough loss? that's likely, you know, especially if they got beaten really badly, that's likely going to be having some real tough practices and going to come back the following week. Yeah, I think the biggest thing I've taken from my career playing sports, at least, is the fact to separate myself from the stats a little bit. Like when I bet and when I analyze lines and games and stuff, I always look at the numbers, but I'm able to look at the fact, okay, this team is got this, they're playing for this, right? They have this kind of, uh, you know, locker room material, bulletin board material, right? Um, so I'm able to take a step back from the stats and say, you know, what's this team's motivation to play this week and how is that going to affect the line? So, you know, that's one thing that I learned from playing. I think also just the ability to analyze matchups on a deeper level, right? Like I was an offensive lineman. I used to be 315 pounds when I was playing. So I can like look at the trenches and I can actually see, okay, this team has an advantage here. And that's something that we don't really see in sports content, sports betting content. The, the line is so neglected, but it's a huge part of what happens in college football and the NFL. So I could take a little more in-depth look at that and it does help, uh, predict games a little more accurately 315 yeah well 340 in my peak but i played at 315 wow how tall are you i'm six four. Oh, you're six four. Oh, okay yeah. <laughs> uh, but, uh, yeah. the bmi was still over the uh over the recommended limit yeah one of my favorite stories a, a good friend of mine got a full ride scholarship to ucla he was just playing seven man football in the valley at some small private christian school uh and got a full ride at ucla but he was only probably 511 and he was young for his uh year so he was literally like 17 years old still when he reports as an offensive lineman at ucla for their like spring football camp and um you know they're basically telling him yeah you need to get to 280 290 He's playing against guys that are probably 22 years old and yeah. just got absolutely annihilated his entire, you know, freshman year as he's just, you know, on the on the B team, you know, in, in on the practice squad, essentially. And he just could not put on enough weight, you know, to stay on the team. I think the max he could get to was like 230, 240. Yeah, I, I can't relate to the weight as much, but I do remember. So I was 17 when I went to college. I graduated from high school on May 31st and I had to report up to school on June 1st. Um, I didn't turn 18 till October of my freshman year. And I remember my first start, we were playing against William and Mary. And there was a kid who's actually in the NFL right now. He's, he's a long snapper in the NFL, but he was a legitimate linebacker in college for William and Mary. We were like looking at his Facebook, like, 
he was 23, 24 years old. Like, we're going to get killed by this guy this week. Like, this guy's <laughs> legit. You know, we're just so – I'm 17 playing against a 23-year-old. And, it, you know, it's definitely – it's a it's a different mentality. That that four or five years right there makes a huge difference. Yeah. And the difference between high school and college just seems to be huge to me. You know, I had you know, I had some opportunities for Division three playing, but I'm like, no, nah, thanks. I'm, I'm lucky still to have B and Tech. Haven't broken anything, you, you know, two concussions, and we'll we'll leave it at that. Plus, there's, yeah. there's no scholarships at Division three, so. Yeah, definitely. It's just a – to help you get into a school that you probably couldn't get into like that for me that was with Lafayette like yes I was on scholarship but I also got into a school that I probably couldn't have got into if I was just playing as a student so that was the biggest reason I was trying to play football and um you know ultimately it worked out for me and um, then a master's in sports journalism that's what it says on your LinkedIn I didn't even know there was such a thing yep so it's it's an MS um and then you know with the focus in sports journalism so I went to Quinnipiac University which is right down the road from ESPN so like all my teachers were from ESPN or they worked at NBC or they worked at CBS right um so yeah master in sport journalism so just got that I took a few years off in between my undergrad and that um but yeah it was an awesome experience and then what brought you into sports betting? Because, you know, being a sports journalist, you could simply cover sports like most people do, or you could get into the science of sports. That's uh, the growing part now, which is sports betting. Yeah. I mean, credit card sales got me into sports. It's pretty crazy. But um, I was selling credit cards during the pandemic um, right out of school, and I hated it. Couldn't do it. It was terrible. Um, so I lasted about three weeks doing that. And I'm like, I got to find another way to make money. So I got into freelance writing um, for a company called Noop Solutions. And shout out to Ryan Noople if he's watching. Um, he was my boss for a while, worked my way into a full-time job with like a freelance content company, um, started writing. And at that time, they also formed like a affiliate website called the Sports 2.0 Network. So it's just a collection of websites. Started writing for that. And I was getting like byline articles and I was getting, um, you know, video content on YouTube. Nobody was watching, um, but I was still getting to do it and figure out I actually enjoyed it. So I did that for a couple of years, ultimately got down to Texas for a job, um, came back up to Boston for another, like, you know, these small startup companies and then ended up working into DraftKings and Forbes and Beeson now. So it's like, it was like been three, four years of hard work, but credit card sales is what got me into the industry to start it off. And I had no other choice. I was, someone offered me a job to write about sports, sports betting previews. I'm like, okay, like, I didn't even know what the spread or the money line was started oh really oh so you, yeah, well, you, I mean, you 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 weren't a sports better yourself so I, I shouldn't say that i was a sports better i was you know betting an 18 year old as an 18 year old in college but i was just taking you know massive parlays and money lines like it i wasn't i wasn't like analyzing games by any means i'm like okay i put a hundred bucks on this team and they're plus 500 this weekend i can win 500 this is gonna hit um, never did, obviously. So I, I wasn't you know, like sport. I didn't find sports betting like sports betting kind of found me. My buddy's a huge sports better. He introduced me to it at like 18 years old. But for the most part, I had no intention of working in sports or betting. And this was this was before Passport was removed too, as well. So like sports betting really wasn't taking over the world. I was playing on Bovada or betting through a credit line. Yeah, well, that's pretty much how I was introduced to it. I think most guys, uh, you know, started in college sports betting. We, we had the old fashioned bookie taking our bets and uh, even using a sports handicapper that I'll never forget my it was my roommate and I were the one doing the betting and he's paying the guy you know 100 bucks a week or whatever for picks and the guy wins his first 12 out of 13 picks this guy won we're, and this is our first introduction to sports betting we you know so we didn't know anything about handicappers anything about boogies we know we're just you know just a couple of dumb college kids betting on sports I'm like wow I didn't realize there's these guys who really just know more than the average public but you know it kind of makes sense that you know the public's kind of dumb and this guy is really smart and really looks in this stuff and so we're ready for his next week and he says okay for the next set of pictures 
well, I'm asking for $500. We're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I mean, come on. We, but we're so desperate because he's been winning 12 out of 13. So we pony up the 500 bucks for his next picks. And he, he goes on to lose the next 11 out of 12. <laughs> and that's when we had amped up our bets, you know, like three times. So that, that was our introduction to sports betting. Yeah. I mean, everyone's got a horror story. I'm actually writing a book right now. It's, um, you know, it's kind of like a guide how to not lose your parents' money, sports betting in college. So um, you know, getting all these horror stories in there from college kids and getting some professional interviews as well. So yeah, it's a, it's the time that a lot of people are introduced to sports betting. And for most people, it doesn't exactly go how they intended to go. Yeah. Well, I feel like I had the original idea for the bad beats that they're doing on ESPN because I've always, yeah, we all had stories about, you know, what happened to a bet with a three-pointer the guy throws up from, you know, the, the other side of the heck of it that goes in that covers a spread that most people don't know about. But these days, so many people are betting and now it's actually being covered on ESPN that um, it's just ex exciting to cover who won the game versus, you know, who covered the spread. Yeah. And sports books are uh, refunding these bad beats a lot of the time too. If you look like injuries for props and all that, which is crazy to think about. But yeah, the, the bad beats, you know, I kind of look at bad beats right now. It's like just being in the industry for four or five years, whatever. I'm sure most people who bet this long, like when you, when you place a bet, like in my mind, that money ain't coming back, right? Like bad beat or not. Like I try not to count the money before the game's over because when I do that, and it just, it always goes downhill. <laughs> yeah. My, my, my strategy is just, it's all about ho holding down as much as possible, how much I lose. There's zero expectation of winning. It's just try not to lose too much because for me, it just kind of adds enjoyment uh, to the games. All right, well, we got to take our first break. And then I want to talk about exactly what DraftKings is doing in the space of, of analyzing sports. And I know that it can be a little bit controversial. And then also, I know you're going to give us some insights as to some developments that are coming to sports betting that nobody is, is aware of. We'll be back after the break with Tanner Kern analyst for DraftKings. In a world where secrets have consequences and lies can't be hidden forever, immerse yourself in the gripping new thriller No Lie Lifts Forever by Todd M. Schoenberger. Join Wall Street hedge fund manager Travis Carmichael as he delves deeper into a web of corruption and conspiracy finding himself entangled in a high-stakes game where souls are at stake, and trust is a luxury he can't afford. Critics and readers can't get enough of this heart-pounding page-turner, calling it a masterfully crafted suspense novel that will leave you breathless. No Lie Lives Forever is a masterfully crafted thriller that will leave you guessing until the very end. With its intricate plot twists and unforgettable characters, this is a must-read for fans of suspense and mystery. From the mind of acclaimed author Todd M. Schoenberger comes a novel that will challenge your perceptions and keep you turning the pages late into the night. Critics and readers alike can't get enough of No Lie Lives Forever. It's been hailed as a gripping roller coaster ride, a true page turner that will leave you breathless. Don't miss your chance to uncover the truth. Immerse yourself in the suspenseful world of No Lie Lives Forever by Todd M. Schoenberger. Available now on Amazon and at finer bookstores near you. The world's best-known investor and Wall Street expert Warren Buffett once said, Wall Street is the only place that people ride to in a Rolls Royce to get advice from those who take the subway. Mr. Buffett's quote is remarkably accurate, but how many people would rather receive advice from him than someone simply guessing? Welcome to Buy, Hold, Sell, your single source for Wall Street knowledge and profitable guidance. Please join me, Todd Schoenberger, and fellow trader Tobin Smith, as well as host Veronica Dudo, for a podcast known to move the needle for investors. Tobin and I are seasoned Wall Street executives with deep investment experience, and we are prepared to share our advice to those who choose to listen. 
Download Buy, Hold, Sell today on the Evergreen Podcast Network or your favorite podcast channel. And welcome back, everybody, to Double Down with Breslow. We're talking to Tanner Kern, analyst for DraftKings. So tell us exactly, you know, a lot of people would be surprised, frankly, to know that DraftKings has this whole side, this media side to it. They think of it just as a gaming company that's collecting bets and trying to get new customers. What exactly are they doing on the media side? And what what should we expect to see from them going forward? Yeah, so I think the the biggest thing with all sports betting companies is innovation, right? So when sports betting first started in 2018, it was a mad dash just to get a product out there and just get lines that people could play on. Um, and now it's kind of changing. There's like a culture around sports betting and content and media and the way to attract people to your site. You can do that through bonus bets. You can do it through promotions, but you can also do it through media in the sense of I need to consume media to learn who I'm going to bet on this week. And, you know, if I'm watching a DraftKings media site or Fandle TV, they just launched one. Our points bet has a, a big thing going on. This got bought and, you know, that'll be taken over by fanatics. But um, when you're watching these media people, it's like, oh, I'm watching DraftKings. I'm going to go place that bet on DraftKings, or I'm going to link that article through SEO to a DraftKings line that I can just click and go bet on it, right? So I think the biggest thing with the media space right now, and DraftKings specifically, is just the more content you can put out, the more people, the bigger the brand's going to grow, more people know about your product, the more people want to bet on your product, because that's that's the ultimate goal. So these media sites that we're seeing pop up from books is just the bottom line is they want to convert more players um, to their site. So FanDuel has a 24-7 channel going? Uh, yes, I believe FanDuel TV is 24-7, DraftKings uh, Network's 24-7. Um, and they're, you know, we're getting, you know, big media analysts coming in, big personalities as well. And it's not just, you know, the thing you'll see on DraftKings in the future, at least, it's not just betting content. It's a lot of um, lifestyle content. It's a lot of, you know, we, we just launched a, you know, a new clothing line at DraftKings with, you know, with the, a podcast we do called The Compound. And, you know, I didn't have any part in it, obviously, but you know, it's just they're trying to it's they're trying to take I think these companies are trying to relate sports and betting to just the general public in as many ways as possible. And they're doing that through media. Mm-hmm. So it's a streaming channel that I can get on Roku, essentially. Yeah, Roku, Samsung TV, um, you know, all these streaming apps. And it, it's kind of the same same content that used to go on YouTube. But now it's just in a dedicated hub and, you know, the, the channels will get built out and you know, more and more content shows will get built out. But it's a lot of the podcasts that um, DraftKings owns currently um, that are on that channel. Right. So instead of advertising on some other sports show, they've got their own sports show to lure people in and, and send them to DraftKings, basically. Yeah. So you can see, you know, every every single DraftKings ad you're going to see, they're going to be talking about DraftKings Network. Go watch DraftKings Network. Um, just because the more people that are watching that, like, you know, for example, if we buy a podcast and they, those viewers don't know anything about DraftKings, now DraftKings ads are all over and they're sending them to DraftKings Network. They're just going to be more inclined to go bet on the site. And the same goes for FanDuel and PointsBet and whatever books are doing this kind of media approach. Yeah, I figured it was just a matter of time before you were going to have, you know, a, a, a huge number of shows just covering, you know, analyzing games and, you know, the lines and everything. You, you're starting to see it creep into ESPN. Uh, I happen to notice on Valley Sports here in Los Angeles, that's the Angels channel, that they've got like a three or four hour show every morning analyzing. Uh, what, what do you see coming down the pike from, from the big boys like ESPN and Fox in this regard? Yeah, so I think the biggest thing, like when we look at the media space for sports, 
sports betting. It used to be like all affiliate companies, you know, first they were supporting like Bovada and, you know, bet us and all these like offshore books right through links and then DraftKings and FanDuel when they legalized in sports betting, those links went from like DFS links to, um, you know, to sports betting. And that's what the content was. So it was just offshore or it was just media websites trying to, um, you know, trying to get people to sign up and get a little kickback there. But now we're seeing the big dogs come over, you know, we're seeing FanDuel and DraftKings and all these companies start their media. We're seeing ESPN. Um, get a little bit into sports betting space. And that was a company that totally stayed away from betting. Um, you turn on the NBA on TNT, right? There's live lines that are being posted during the game on the broadcast, which is crazy to think. So I think the biggest development that we're going to see in the sports betting space in the next five years is dedicated betting channels with dedicated betcast. So, you know, ESPN might be showing Sunday night baseball and there's a betting cast talking about micro betting at the time, right? So, hey, this batter's up. He's done this off this pitcher. Here's the lines, here's the bets, here's what we would recommend in this spot. So that's probably the next thing I see coming. I know that there's been some talks of that I've heard in the in the industry. Um, I don't know when that's going to come into place because the legality of that is definitely tough when you're doing that and you know, betting's a 21 and up and everyone has access on TV. So I'm sure it would be through streaming, uh, but you know, dedicated bet channels will be the next thing, next big development in the media space. Mm-hmm. And then walk us through BetCast in particular. How do you see that? What Who, who would carry this BetCast? I, I assume what you're talking about is the announcers that are covering this particular broadcast are solely talking about the, 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 the gambling element of the game? Yeah, solely talking about the gambling element. So live lines, as we know, like you can bet on a football game or a baseball game or basketball hockey doesn't matter you can bet on it throughout the entire game you can bet the drive in the nfl you can bet the live point spread for the full game the total so i think we'd see dedicated betting analysts and a host um you know broadcasting the game same thing as if you're watching on a regular sunday on cbs or nbc um but you know the whole broadcast is immersed in trying to make money on that game and I know there's a lot of probably legal issues with that. Just like I was saying, you know, it's got to be 21 up and you got to make sure you're doing it in a responsible way and all that to, to comply with regulations. But I think that would be the next thing where people are just saying, okay, it's first and 10, you know, here's a, here's a, here's a micro bet. How many, well, over one and a half plays to get the first down here, you know, like stuff like that. And just analysts talking about it and people are able to bet live on the spot and you can sync up your phone with the television. So that's, that's definitely what I see coming next. Mm-hmm. Have you tracked much as far as what goes on in Europe for, you know, their soccer matches? I mean, Europe is way ahead of us on sports betting. Um, And to your point, yeah, I was surprised when I first started seeing all the betting numbers, right? As I'm watching a, a regular, you know, Fox broadcast, I'll never forget Joe Buck in the world series. I think it was last year the year before where you know batters come into the plate and he talks about the odds of the guy you know hitting a home run I'm like whoa things have changed here's joe buck talking about betting on whether this guy's likely to hit a home run or not yeah it's totally already it seems permeated live sports as far as what you see on the screen almost is always showing you some type of live money line did you happen to know does Europe do the same thing with their uh, football matches? So I don't have an exact answer for that, but I do know, like, if you look at a book like, you know, Bet365 or Unibet or one of these these companies have started overseas and trying to work their way into the, the American market, and they're not necessarily there yet at the level of a DraftKings or FanDuel. But a lot of these books, you can actually watch soccer games on the platform. And some books, like I know, um, you know, with like Sugar House Sports, for example, you, sports book, you were able to watch like some NHL games on there, right? If you had a bet on the game. So I guess that 
that's kind of the closest you're going to get the simplicity and the ease of pulling out your sports book and being able to watch the game place a bet without, you know, flipping back and forth between apps. Um, so I'm assuming you can do that in Europe, but not exactly sure. I've always wondered what the legality is of just a couple guys. In this case, it could be, you know, handicappers or it could be representatives of one of the sports books simply streaming uh, an audio watching the game and talking about the game as they're watching it. They're not broadcasting the game, but they're just providing commentary on the game. You know, so in other words, as opposed to it being an official betcast, it's just a guy or a handicapper who you can go and listen to him watching a game and commenting on the game from a betting perspective. Yeah. And I think we do see that too, you know, maybe on a, a smaller level, like with TikTok and with, you know, Instagram and these live streams, like I know I've done it before where, you know, you put on, you put your phone on and you stream and on stream a game on TikTok. If TikTok doesn't bring it down, you can get, you know, thousands of people in there that are just looking to watch the game. And, you know, with, with the organic reach of those platforms and people just want betting information, they want to talk picks and they want to, you know, it's kind of like more of a relaxed setting, kind of like you're just sitting there watching the game with your friends, but you're, you're talking betting on a, on a wide scale. So I think that would be a great idea. That might be the start of it, like a radio betcast. Um, but in the future, I do think, you know, they get all the way across the finish line because the bottom line is, you know, sports betting is all about money. And if you can bring in money, you can, you, it's It's going to find a place in media. Um, and that would definitely bring in money. So let's talk about the potential conflict of interest that a DraftKings has when they run a media outlet, uh, such as, you know, they're doing right now and you're participating in, we had Chris Adams on from Shark, Sharp Rank, who said that there's some concern in the industry that the, the, uh, the book could have need more money on one side or the other. So, you know, they're getting too many bets on one side. They're trying to even it out. And so they tell their analysts, hey, go tout this other side so that we can get more bets on that side. That's the concern that he says that some people have. Have you heard this concern? And, and what are your thoughts about it? Well, you know, and especially like, cause I'm, you know, I float between social and I do media stuff and all that. So you, you see the, you see the opinion of like, of what people have at the book. Like people don't like the book, obviously, because the book's there to, in the end of the day, take money. Like that's how the book stays in business. Um, but when I look at that, I don't see it the same way as Chris. And I love Chris in the sense of books. It's impossible to balance sides. It's impossible to balance lines. It's possible to balance the money on each side. You're never going to be able to do it. Um, and the fact of the matter is if someone like nobody knows what's going to happen in sports too. A lot of people believe sports is rigged and all this stuff. And obviously there's been situations over the years where that has come to fruition, but sports are not rigged um, in my opinion, at least. And it's impossible to balance the book. It's impossible to pick the right side hundred percent of the time. Sports betting is very hard. So I can get an analyst up there. If I do a segment tomorrow, I have an MLB segment. We're talking about games. I might like this money line. They might like that money line. It's up to the person to make their pick. Right. So I just think that the, the fact of the matter is it's impossible to balance the lines it's impossible to pick 100% of the picks right and give someone the wrong pick. Um, and, you know, you also lose credibility by if that ever broke. So it's just not the worth the risk for the books. And I, I think the bottom line with media is not to, you know, balance the lines. It's more to just get more people interested in sports betting. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, and the way they've always reacted to that is you adjust the line. I mean, that's what they've yeah. done for forever. So this would be another way of trying to balance the line. But I hear you, it, it would be... Um, highly risky thing to do uh walk us through you said that you're on you're tracked on sharp rank right yep so i i'm I, I'm, I'm curious to talk to you about that because you know i think what chris has got there with sharp rank is a really interesting company i heard it from his perspective so give it to us from from your perspective as far as being on there what how does it work what, what do you have to provide to them to be on there etc 
So I was on Sharp Rank from the very beginning. So I, I appreciate Chris for doing that for me because it, it, you know, it, it helped me out a lot, you know, boost my credibility in the industry. My first year on there, which was two years ago, I believe when we first started, I finished top 10 in NFL um, for the year, which was awesome. So, you know, you're, you're working for, you know, a small startup company and you're competing with guys that are at Fox and Sports Illustrated and stuff. And you're showing that you can make picks because that is one element of this. I think, you know, in the media space, it's being able to be entertaining and also make good picks. Um, but if you don't, you're not entertaining. Nobody, not as many people care about. So you were, you were top 10 in NFL. That's among how many people that he was tracking? Yeah, I think there were two or 300 on there that, that first year. There were a lot. Um, and he's probably I, got a lot more now, right? Yeah, they, they got a ton. Now there's some football only guys and stuff that come on there right now. I believe there's only 150 people on there that are doing other sports because they're, they're kind of. You know, I think a lot of analysts, too, in the space, like since sports are such a year-round thing, they've kind of specialized in one sport. So they're only on the app for a period of time where I'm doing all of them, um, which helps. But, yeah, basically, it's um, basically just an app you go through. It's got every line and odd. And when it first started, it was just, you know, a spread, a total, and a money line. Now there's props on there. So you basically put in what you're playing throughout the day um, as if you were betting money on it. Um, and you know, it, it comes up, it grades you, it gives you a record, it gives you your uh, ROI and all that stuff. So, so and, but you don't have, obviously you don't have to, to, to make every pick. So is there a certain minimum number of picks that you got to be making to be tracked on there? Um, I'm not sure if there's a minimum, but you just got to, whatever picks you're making throughout the day. I mean, I think if you make three to five picks, which is probably what most people do, I think you're fine on there. Um, and they also too, like, if you don't track your picks for a day, they'll reach out to you and be like, Hey, you know, what happened here? And, you know, occasionally there are days where you forget to go into sharp ranks. It's just an extra step in your day. And uh, they'll reach out and be like, what were your picks for today? And you send them over your sheet um, or send them over some sort of, you know, some sort of tracking thing that you're doing on your own and they can actually fill those picks in for you, um, which is really cool. So those guys got to figure it out there. And I think his, you know, Chris's mindset of, you know, keeping the sports betting industry clean with all the media that's developing is is great. And, you know, it's first of its kind there. And what about you? You seem to be covering a lot of sports and, you know, I think most people would think that, well, you can be an expert in one sport or the other, but not multiple. You're a former football player. That should kind of be your specialty. Uh, what would you say to somebody who says that, you know, analysts should stick to one sport? Um, I think you can do as much as you have time to do in the day, right? Like for me, it's I'm trying to do as much as I possibly can, put out as much content as I can, in as many areas as I can, right? And, you know, I stick to the core four most of the time, and it's primarily football, baseball, basketball. I'm not as big of a hockey guy, even though I will give some stuff on it. But like when I'm talking on a show, it's usually baseball, football, basketball. Um, but yeah, I think you can do is if if you know your stuff, you know your stuff. Uh, and it's all comes down to preparation and all comes down to practice. And if you watch enough, if you, you research enough, no matter what the sport is, I think you can be successful. So we've already talked uh, on this show a couple times before about esports and how that's starting to become a thing what 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 else should we be looking for out there you think that are up and coming things that people are going to bet on that we we're not even really thinking about right now i think yeah esport if you, if you can bet on video games you can pretty much bet on anything that's that's my take and even during the pandemic like it wasn't even just esports we would bet on like computer streams of madden games which was crazy um i, I think you know as it as the media space and the sports betting space develops, I think we're going to be betting on pretty much every division one college sport. You know, we see lines for big hockey games. We see lines for lacrosse. Um, you know, we see lines for, for college baseball, but I do think we'll get into as many sports as we possibly can in the division one college front. I think we'll be doing a lot more overseas. Like you can already bet on, you know, snooker and darts and all this stuff that I don't even know how to play. Um, but 
people want to bet, right? People want to bet. And the bottom line is the more lines that the books post, it's a, it's a selling point and it gives people the opportunity to bet on more things. So I don't really have a specific answer about, you know, what sports are coming. Um, Pickle, pickleball is what I thought you were going to say. I like that. I like that. Yeah. Pickleball, <laughs> that's a good one. As many, as many new trends and sports that pop up that are played on a professional level or a, you know, a division one level, they're going to be better on. Yeah. No, it's, it's amazing. Just the, the, the insatiable demand for sports right now just seems bigger than ever. And I think sports betting is, is driving it, but just looking at the ch- flipping through the channels on the main ABC, CBS, NBC, uh, like on last Saturday was, you know, the Belmont stakes was a four hour show on uh, Fox, I think. So they turned one, you know, one minute race into a four hour show. Of course they were covering m- multiple races. Then it was, I think ABC had lacrosse, on it i didn't even uh, i know todd would know this but that there's a professional lacrosse league then the other channel was a soccer from europe um and then i think it was the usfl so i mean that's you know pretty random sports none of them you know your big four or big five in in the u.s and that's what's getting coverage and with so many cable channels now that uh yeah pickleball uh, is starting to dominate the, the the tennis channel. So the demand for live sports, partly driven, I think, by by gaming, just seems to be incredible right now. Yeah, I mean, tennis betting is massive, right? There's so many markets for it, and you know, pickleball. I don't know the exact rules of pickleball. I know it's very complicated because my parents play it, but um, you know, and I've, I've heard all the terminology and stuff. But that will definitely be bet on. And I, you know, it's just sports betting adds a little extra skin the game i'm not a WNBA fan i've never really watched the WNBA that much but me and my buddy went to a WNBA game we was at a casino we bet it on the game we went to it and it was, <laughs> we had the time of our lives like it was so much fun and now now we we follow the WNBA and we watch and we bet on it just because we had such a good time you know we also made money so that helps too but yeah, yeah it's, a, it's a great point as far as how it really kind of works hand in glove because, you know, I, I'm with you. I would never watch WNBA, but you, I put 100 bucks on the game and all of a sudden I'm paying attention. Yep, definitely. And, 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 and same with pickleball. I got I, I play pickleball. I got a buddy who loves watching it. And I told him I'll start watching it when I can bet on it. Otherwise, I've got no interest. Definitely, yeah. That's, that's all right, well, we, we should leave it there, Tanner. I look forward to seeing you in, in San Diego and uh, following your career, up-and-coming analyst in the sports betting space. Uh, Tanner Kern from DraftKings. Appreciate you joining Double Down. Thanks, James. Appreciate it. All right, Tanner. And thank you all for listening and for watching Double Down with Preston. We'll be back soon with another episode. Take care.